back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar you heard the intro another oscar race checkpoint as they are keep coming along this oscars highway as we keep going on headlong into academy awards sunday that is on the horizon this episode we're going to be previewing next sunday's critics choice and bafta awards we're going to be reviewing the indie spirits and a few other sets of recent winners from the guild circuit and we have a returning guest to help us out i'm your co-host mike one also mike who is our third co-host for this episode Yes, she is the awards editor at InSessionFilm.com. She's a new staff member at Next Best Picture. She's a returning guest as we had a ton of fun talking to Amy back in December about mm-hmm. a similar variety pack of awards, I would say, with AFI, MBR, BIFA. So she's perfect for one of these sprawling Oscar race checkpoints, Mike, where we got to accomplish a lot. So Amy Smith, welcome back. Hello, yeah, a lot has happened since December, those two places that you've mentioned, and also the Rotten Tomatoes thing, which I am still not over, but uh, yeah, a lot has happened in the past few months, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, like Ryan McQuaid a couple uh, couple episodes ago, Amy's another one that's climbing the ladder here on, in the uh, the film review circuit, and you're well-earned and, and very good job by you, and it should have happened a while ago, but you're getting all these big new places, and it's exciting for you, and it's exciting for us who are fans of yours, and just congratulations all around, Amy. Yeah, thank you very much, and speaking of Ryan, he's the one that I've kind of been working with a lot at In Session Film. He's the one that promoted me to the awards editor position, so I have all the faith he's going to do amazing stuff over at awards watch that's that's great to hear we second that opinion and we're excited to see both of you guys and your new roles and what you have going forward uh as far as this episode today like we said at the top here we got a lot of award shows to review preview anything else that ends in view so michael where do we want to start so let's start with uh asking amy about what she just came off of and that's the glasgow film festival amy uh you have been tweeting about a bunch of stuff, so I'm curious what your like highlights and takeaways are. I'm kind of jealous of you as well. <laughs> yeah, so Glasgow Film Festival, it's a festival in Scotland. It's still going on right now. I had to leave early for uni, unfortunately, but I did catch quite a lot. But it's a lot of stuff that people might have already seen across the pond. So finally caught up with Red Rocket, which if you know my relationship with Sean Baker is not going to be too positive. So we'll just skip mm. along that one. Um, <laughs> worst person in the world, which I did already see, but seeing it in a second time with a large crowd really boosted that film for me. I, I really loved it on a second watch. Um, Benedetta is a huge highlight for me. I saw that at 10 o'clock in the morning as a press screening. It was a very interesting <laughs> choice to have it at 10 o'clock in the morning, but... god what a film yeah and then one of the new ones that i think people might be anticipating is the nuclear denis film fire or is it like both sides of a blade Mm -hmm. i'm in the minority on that one i'll be providing a review for that over at in session film soon but eh, not for me a teaser so uh, yeah i think uh i think we were looking at that coming from Berlin, too, that uh, might have some legs, but uh, you're saying no. We'll have to uh, await your review there, but uh, that's great. That's great that uh, Glasgow offered up a bunch of in-person 
film festival events we were talking about in the pre-show. Very jealous of you there. Very tiring, though. This was my first, like, <laughs> this was my first festival experience as press in person. And, like, I can mm-hmm. whack out 20 to 30 films at Sundance, no problem, because I'm at home, I'm in my right. bed. When it's getting to jumping from screen to screen, technical issues of screens, um, events running late, it it's so much more tiring. I don't know how people mm. do more than four films in a day, because I barely managed four. I don't know how you do four films in a day. Yeah, I mean, Mike has the same stamina that you do, and it just blows my mind. Like, I, Mike's jealous of your opportunity to see all these movies. I'm jealous of both of your stamina to just sit through that many movies in one sitting. Because if I had to sit through four films in one day, and they weren't like top tier stuff that I knew was going to entertain me, I it would be a str- I'd be more cynical. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, because I ha- I had Benedetta start and then. The fire straight after, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm really burned out after two French films. What's happening?" <laughs> it's yeah, it's not like these movies at these film festivals are easy watches. Most of them either, so that's uh, it. It does take a special stamina, Mike, but uh, mm. you'll get there someday, pal. Probably not, but I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dive right in here. We're doing a lot of things, and I figured the best way to do it was just like tackle it by category by category or kind of groups of categories. We'll take them by groups where we can so i figured the best way to start is picture and director and i think we got to talk about the crossover for a hot minute 67 out of the 93 years at the academy awards best picture and director have a line that is a huge crossover guys of 72 percent however only five of the last 10 years with this new academy have they crossed over picture and director so I'm wondering if there's going to be alignment this year with the power of the dog. We're, we're noticing a bit of a decline, a weakening of the dog. I'm sorry I'll never make that joke again, but I had to do it at least once. Where, yes, That's a great name for a, mo- for a sequel to that movie, by the way. The weakening <laughs> of the dog? Yeah, yeah. Or the belittling of the horse? But maybe they just completely movie. take a right turn and they just it's an Air Bud entry instead. <laughs> That's a right turn, especially yeah. up in uh, Montana. Uh, look at I think uh, I think Jane Campion has dominated the season at director, and I think Power of the Dog, as we all know, it, it's still one of the top three in Best Picture, if not the the leader. And Vegas still has it as the betting favorite in both guys. So. Are we locking Jane Campion into Best Director, Amy? And if so, what do you think that means for the Power of the Dog's chances in picture? Well, bear in mind, the past three years have matched with Parasite mm-hmm. and Noma. Was it past three, two or three? They have started to right. match up again. And bear, if you're looking at, say, Argo, Ben Affleck wasn't nominated if you're looking at green book peter farley wasn't nominated they didn't have a chance to have that match up mm. so i f- i still think you're dumb if you're not predicting power of a dog to win both i get mm. why people are pushing a narrative potentially for coda now or for belfast but the power of a dog got in production design and sound it had no right to get in either of those nominations and it still mm. did this film clearly has across the board support something that i feel like coda really does not have only having three nominations including best picture which do you feel stronger about amy between those two categories if you like power of the dog in both are you more entrenched with campion winning or are you more entrenched with power of the dog winning best picture Oh, Campion, easily. I think her yeah. number two was Villeneuve, and he's not even nominated. 
I mm. think okay. both uh, Branna and Paul Thomas Anderson are fighting for the original screenplay category. Hamaguchi is just a nice international support that they do every single year. And I, I just don't see how it cannot be championed because it's obvious. It's like, we're mm-hmm. going to have two females winning two years in a row. How amazing it's is awesome. that? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and Vegas uh, agrees with you guys because Campion's uh, sh- very short, uh, minus 800 uh, in director, and The Power of the Dog is a slight favorite, minus 200 in picture. The last I checked, Bovada So, Andy, there. can I borrow $800 is what Mike's <laughs> again. <laughs> so, all right, so we have a best picture field without Coda at BAFTA, a best, best feature, rather, and we have uh, a best picture field with Coda and Belfast over at Critics' Choice. Coda is coming off of this wave of momentum with with SAG, but not just SAG. It's actually carried through a little bit with the HCAs. And look, the HCAs, I, I love that they're ramping up their award show. We got friends that are running that with Mendelssohn and, and Weber, etc. Mm-hmm. I think I, I have to take a second glance at it, guys, because Promising Young Woman was the big winner there last year, and that didn't necessarily have the legs we thought. So I'm a little hesitant to say this is like momentum boost necessarily for Coda. But here's the thing. We're seeing Troy Kotzer everywhere now in supporting actor. We're seeing Coda take a screenplay at the, the HGAs. I, I think we need Coda to win it uh, in terms of adapted if it wants to pull through. But is this Coda momentum real for you amy are you making a prerequisite like andrew the nomcast has been saying where coda's got to win adapted screenplay for you to take it seriously uh, during the the during the oscars there see i did my dissertation on deaf representation within the film community i would love nothing more than to see this film win best picture for mm. me this is just a case of these are the first two televised uh, events of the year without the golden globes being live and people are just mm-hmm. judging it on that um, it would have to win adapted screenplay in my opinion to get in but I also feel like it would need to win PGA above The Power of the Dog or Belfast mm. that's what I'm waiting on because we're going to get PGA the week before the Oscars if that doesn't go to The Power of the Dog then we have a race going on but until then I just don't see how a film which couldn't even get a best song nomination or anything below the line beating something out that ended up taking the most nominations of a night over Dune. So what's with the, I guess, dialogue right now with Power of the Dog, at least amongst film Twitter? It, it's clearly, is it just boredom, I guess? Like, are people just bored with it being the wire-to-wire frontrunner and they're desperate for some kind of controversy or something exciting to happen, and that's why they're putting more faith behind Coda doing so well at these precursor, even if it's a lesser precursor show? I mean, is that kind of what's going on here, or is it just, is do people actually believe in Coda, do you think? It's a long year, like, what, mm-hmm. 80-odd days between nominations and the awards. We didn't even have this last year. It was only, like, 50-odd days last year. So we mm-hmm. are all getting incredibly bored. So we are over-analyzing every single <laughs> yeah. award at this point. And that's why our podcast exists, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I think I agree, and I, I think, uh, you know, we did uh, predictions, two early predictions, Mike, and we both had Power of the Dog back when, I think. It's a tough movie to stay excited about for five, six months, too, I got to say. I mean, it's so inaccessible to a a common fan. We keep pounding that drum. But it's it's not your stereotypical front-runner, wire-to-wire front-runner that people are going to be, yeah, oh, my God, you got to see Power of the Dog. 
But weren't we saying that last year about Nomadland? Yes, yeah. it, that does. Yeah, we exactly were. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Look, Mike, I know you have Bronco Henry's saddle that you polish every night before you go to bed. It's it's in the the, the back of your uh, every day. I go video before right. I go to sleep. I slap a horse <laughs> in the mouth. Just out of so yeah, I mean you're you're you're. Uh, <laughs> You're underselling it, but look, I I think that uh, the power of the dog is still has the path uh, that's pretty clear for it. We're gonna see, we're gonna see something else win. Obviously, something's gonna win BAFTA that isn't Coda. Is that a Belfast? Belfast is up for outstanding British film, and Belfast is up for the best overall film. The top five there. Is it now or never for Belfast, especially with BAFTA? Amy, we know you're. Across the pond, we've we've had you on as uh, as the expert for for the British Independent Film Awards, and we talked about kind of how After Love and Ali and Ava really did extremely well back when uh, in December. And look, we've seen the favorite have a huge night over there uh, at the Baftas, and then you know that translates to a degree over at the Oscars, but not so much. What do you think about Belfast with this year's Baftas? I think it has to win to actually stay in the race. Um, mm-hmm. If the British crowd don't embrace this film, I don't see why the Academy in general would. Which is a shame because obviously before in December I hadn't seen the film. Now I have and I will say I am team pro Belfast. I would actually prefer it to win over the power of the dog. But um, yeah, like I think it has to win. We're, we're basically looking at the original screenplay category. Because if it does not win there, it's not got a pathway if Paul Thomas Anderson takes it. So we just have to wait and see, particularly for that race, what happens. But I do think Power of the Dog's going to have a good night. I think Benedict has a chance of winning. I think Cody Smith-Buffet is going to win at BAFTA. It's going to take director, obviously. It's going to take adapted screenplay. I don't see how after that you don't give it best picture, even against Belfast. Mike? Uh, I, I I think if it does that at the BAFTA stage, then it becomes further entrenched as the favorite in all those categories on Oscar Sunday, at least going into Oscar Sunday. So yeah, I kind of, I agree with what Amy's saying there. And I do also think it might be Belfast's last stand to be a little dramatic about it, because why wouldn't a European voting body take to... It's a home game. That story, right. I mean, it just seems like a ch- if, if Belfast is ever going to do well at a precursor, you would think it'd be BAFTA, right? Oh yeah, Definitely. Because the critics' choice is probably more in the camp of the power of the mm-hmm. dog, if anything is. Or it'll be interesting to see if the critics' body shifts back towards Coda. But we'll we'll have some time to talk about that. I think we're going to continue to kind of talk about the rest of the best picture field as we go here through other categories. And yeah, you, you started to talk about it, Amy. We're going to get into screenplays now because I do want to talk about an adapted screenplay contender that had a huge night at the 37th Independent Spirit Awards. And this is coming off the USC scripter win for Maggie Gyllenhaal's The Lost Daughter, which took home Best Screenplay, Director, and yes, Best Feature at the Indie Spirits. The Gyllen Sars were celebrated <laughs> quite awkwardly in a recurring joke by the Offer Mullallies. And uh, look, Ma- Maggie made another trio of good speeches, which kind of is a bookend to how she started off award season for us with three really good speeches at the Gotham. So... I'm wondering about Maggie Gyllenhaal's momentum now in adapted screenplay. She is not going to be at the WGAs, 
because she was not eligible there. But Choice and BAFTA has the Lost Daughter as a nominee. And it, it looks like a three-way race. But I tell you, of all the categories, adapted screenplays, you can kind of make an argument for f- all five movies having a chance with Drive My Car and Dune uh, competing with the three women-led films with Coda and Lost Daughter and The Power of the Dog. So I'm wondering, Amy, how you're analyzing adapted screenplay right now. I think uh, you know you tipped your hat that The Power of the Dog still in the lead for you. Yeah, but this is coming incredibly close because every time I write off the lost daughter it pulls off a surprise and i mm. think you can't write it off anymore um i i don't think coda's gonna win to be quite honest mm-hmm. which is why i don't think it has a chance at best picture um the thing i come back to is last year the race between the father and nomadland and just because nomadland was the front runner people were predicting it However, that was a very untraditional sort of screenplay as opposed to The Father, which was a lot more technical. You can't say that about The Power of a Dog because that is probably the most technical screenplay in that category, in my opinion. So it all depends. Do enough Academy voters think, oh, she's got director locked up so much, let's award someone else? I don't mm-hmm. know. I think they might end up defaulting. So um, this this is a category I can be swayed by BAFTA, Critics' Choice, if they go elsewhere. I don't see Critics' Choice going elsewhere, to be honest. But if BAFTA do something different, like a Hall, I could be tempted to swap. Well, that's the big question going into Oscar Sunday, is that does the Academy want to do an Oscars puzzle thing like they normally do in a typical year and spread the love, or do they want to recognize Power of the Dog as this thing that's going to sweep, you know, four or five above-the-line categories, maybe in a surprise with Cumberbatch, Cody Smith-McPhee, adapted screenplay director, you know, that's a big night for any movie. I don't know if, again, a film that inaccessible to so many lay people that's a big ask on oscar sunday but it certainly has the possibility of happening it's just i'm I'm happy that this category at least seems to be a three-headed race to more of a three-headed race than it was four weeks ago let's say at least but would you Mm -hmm. say on that the lost daughter is also quite inaccessible to an audience when you see that audience score i think the lost daughter and i've always felt this way since watching it is at least more of something it does remind me a bit of the father in that and we saw how the father played with the academy when i watched the lost daughter i thought well this is something that at least the academy can find the positives in i think it's more mm-hmm. an a, a quote unquote an academy movie whatever that means i know it's subjective than the power of the dog may be but that's just my opinion Audience accessibility is a fascinating factor here because we had Jojo Rabbit swooping in late, and I wondered about the accessibility of that. We had The Father swooping in late. I wondered there as well. I I, I think this category may be one of those where if accessibility is is the rule of thumb then you know coda is kind of up against it and, and the art film or if you if you want to characterize it that the like that the technical screenplay has more of a chance in this category and i do think uh, you know the academy when they're fill everybody's filling out the bracket for everything they could potentially put like you're saying uh amy the the screenplay that lasts with you i mean the lost daughter and the power of the dog both for me you know coming off the film festivals and then the rewatches they both linger within my brain kind of like how they will be blood there will be blood etc we've talked about pta movies mike kind of lingering and sticking with us do you guys get that sense at all that the the lingering film 
might uh, take a screenplay? If it's a lingering film, I might go drive my car, to be honest. That's the screenplay mm. that really impacted me the most. And if we want to reward this film outside of international feature, once again, it has to be the screenplay. And I think the screenplay is actually the strongest part of that film. To make that film three hours long and make it as great as it is, there's no bad moments. There's nothing I would personally take away from that film. It's my second favourite film of the year. Mm. Ironically, against Dune, but Dune is more not the screenplay and all the other technical achievements of that. So if I had my ballot, I'd be voting Drive My Car. And the screenplay category has been the category where that's kind of, you don't want to call it a consolation prize, but, you know, Jordan Peele won screenplay and he didn't win director. Mm-hmm. Last year, Promising Young Woman won screenplay because it didn't win director. You know, there right. that's been the, well, we don't want to push it up the card any further in the director of picture, but we still want totally. to recognize it somewhere. So here's the screenplay Oscar. And let's be honest, guys, WGA has been a factor, especially for late omissions or, you know, ineligible films. We, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum, Mike, with Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, leaving the door mm-hmm. open for Parasite at the last minute and leaving the door open for a wild card. And Amy, you might be dead, dead on here. Drive my car coming from the international feature lane where it's not necessarily going toe-to-toe, especially at, at the American level uh, with the rest of this field. So I'm wondering if, in fact, Coda Daughter and The Power of the Dog, with Dune being that unadaptable uh, you know, novel that, that gets credit as well from some Academy folks, if the, if the vote is being spread about, then this could be anybody's race. It literally could be a five-way race. It's going to be exciting. I still think people want to reward Denis as a director first and not a screenwriter, or they want to wait till part two. But like I said, I'm waiting on BAFTA. If BAFTA does not go Power of the Dog, I will be tempted to switch. Mm. Very cool. Well, let's check in with original screenplay quick. I think we kind of have this whittled down perhaps to two films, Licorice Pizza from PTA, still the betting favorite at minus 140, and Belfast plus 150, the Golden Globe uh, winner for best screenplay overall. Uh, We do have Licorice Pizza, Don't Look Up, and King Richard at all three of the upcoming original screenplay precursors, BAFTA, Choice, and WGA. Belfast is, of course, only eligible for two of those, Choice and BAFTA. So it looks like you can make the argument that it's coming down to those two, but it's almost by default because we've seen in recent days, we've seen Mass finally get some credit at the HCAs and the Online Film Critics Awards for original screenplay with Fran Kranz's brilliant script there and and we have not necessarily seen PTA or Belfast add any momentum so uh, without anything having changed uh, uh, here Amy do we think this is going to be between favorite candy pizza num num as I call it or (laughs) Belfast (laughs) yeah and I do think BAFTA is going to help Belfast here I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson has done himself any favors this award season. I think there are two major issues with the Licorice Pizza screenplay that will perhaps make people question whether this is what Paul Thomas Anderson gets his Oscar for. Mm-hmm. And the seven nominations, Belfast has got to win somewhere. And this is the most likely scenario to reward that film and to reward Kenneth Branagh. And it's a passion project for him. It's based on his childhood. Who isn't like touched by that? Um, 
if I had my ballot, it would be going to a worst person in the world, I think. Nice. Because what has happened in the original screenplay category has been the most original film has been the one that's gotten the win. You look at Get Out, <laughs> you look at Promising Young Woman, it's all about the technical difficulty. And I think Worst Person in the World is the most technically difficult screenplay and it pulls it off. Um, I'd write out Don't Look Up in King Richard. I Neither of them are really screenwriting showcases, to be honest. Right. Um, is there a chance for Paul Thomas Anderson to get it? Yeah, but I think people are starting to distance themselves from Licorice Pizza this year and it only getting in screenplay, director and picture hmm. kind of goes to show. I, I would agree that Belfast probably should be the, the betting favorite for BAFTA. But, Amy, what's your take if something upsets Belfast and Licorice Pizza in this category on the BAFTA stage? I need to remind her who, what's actually nominated at so BAFTA. So it's being the Ricardos, Belfast, don't look up King Richard, Licorice oh, so, Pizza. Okay, so I would be surprised. I would honestly be shocked. if The only one I could see it being is Licorice Pizza. And if that happens, I will switch. Mm. Um mm. But I really don't see Don't Look Up or King Richard winning. I really don't. Um, yeah, I, I would be shocked. Let's just say that. Well, let's go from a category that seems to be whittled down to a category that's completely open. And there's no debate about mm. this one, I would say. <laughs> uh, first of all, let's shout out. Again, let's get back to the indie spirits. Taylor Page of Zola. She takes home the spirit and... My favorite reaction of the night. She was overcome, and she got on stage and delivered a, a wonderful speech. Wow, Zola drunk. was good for her. <laughs> yeah, Zola was loved in the room. She kicked that awards ass, and the award shows ass. I loved it. Uh, so shout out to Taylor. But we we do have a, a lead actress race at BAFTA that might be as fun as the Indie Spirit race, guys, because BAFTA the pressure is off. It's Lady Gaga, Alana Haim of Licorice Pizza, Amelia Jones of Coda, Renata Reinsev of The Worst Person in the World, Joanna Scanlon of After Love, and Tessa Thompson of Passing. I, I We got to take the pressure off of BAFTA, but I think we should put a little pressure on ourselves here and actually pick this, this award. Uh, Amy, do you have any inkling at who's winning lead actress at BAFTA? Not the slightest. Um, <laughs> literally just put a bet on one of them and it could happen. Um, I, I think I might go Alana Heim just because Licorice Pizza is the only one that's got the best picture nomination. Mm-hmm. But Gaga is the only clear save in that category. All the rest, I feel like you can argue were a jury save. Gaga was clearly a top two. So mm. that, and they could just say, oh, screw you, Academy, we're going to give her the award. But mm. I, I have no clue. I think I'm going <laughs> to, I think I'm going to stick with Haim for now, but it, it could genuinely, I feel like it could be Gaga, it could be Haim, it could be Reinsford, it could be Scanlon. I, I don't know. <laughs> Mike, yeah, do you I, have an inkling? I mean, how could you? I, I share the, the skepticism. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I wonder if Gaga shows up. Like, was she going to actually go? I to did some sleuthing. Yeah. yeah. So that's my thing. She she just got announced on the fourth that she is going to present the EE e. Rising Star in person. So Lady Gaga is going to be across the pond at the bathroom okay. as a present. Then I'll pick her. If she was if she was going to phone it in and do a Zoom thing, then I would think maybe not. But I mean, she's going to go all that way to not campaign for an Oscar. 
it would make me think that she's probably going to be in. But otherwise, I I, I would like to see like Reinsford upset. I think that'd be cool. I think any one of these winners is going to be a cool moment because, like you said, it doesn't really have anything to do with the Oscars picture anyway. So it's going to be something that they, they get the stage all to themselves. I love the two performances in passing, Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, and I, I was thrilled that Ruth got the win at the Indie Spirits. It might be Tessa's time here, but those are nuanced actors acting job kind of performances mm. i'm skeptical that they would win uh in, in, in the big field especially a tight field like this or, or maybe the tight field if the voting spread out maybe that's where tessa thompson has a chance my personal pick would be the worst person in the world's Renata Reinspa, but i gotta go gaga as well i it just it just it's lining up as the fu pick mm. from pafta it did kind of well it's it's a it is actually a british film from ridley scott there so, all right, we're on the record, Lady Gaga, David Long, eat your heart out. <laughs> Let's move on, though, to what I think is the question for the rest of this lead actress campaign, at least right now, because we have Jessica Chastain taking that SAG award, and I'm wondering if you guys think she's actually got an Oscars bandwagon going. We have seen the Critics' Choice shift after they have a 30, 40 plus critic award winner favorite, like a Lapita Nyongo, like an Ethan Hawke in recent years. And we've seen them take a wholesale shift to whatever the Oscars front runner was in those years. And, and I believe Renee Zellweger was uh, at least the lead actress in one of those years. And we've also seen Chastain win a Critics' Choice Award in the past in 2013. So, Amy, do you think there's a Chastain bandwagon going on? Possibly. I'm still so confused over this category because I said Chastain, as soon as the no- I said her hurdle was getting the nomination, if she got that, it'd be an easier path to a win. So as soon as that happened, I started predicting her and everyone went, why are you doing that? There's no precedent to do that. And then she won SAG, and I was Screw like, precedent. right. Yeah, stick yeah. to your guns. So I'm, go- I'm going back to that, because she has a makeup nomination. She has a transformational yep. performance. She has, I would say, the most Oscar-friendly performance of the nominees. However, mm. if you've been following the Makeup Guild, they didn't give a win to Tammy Faye. So it's right. going to be very tough for Tammy Faye to now win the makeup. And without a win in makeup... I don't know whether we're going to... It's a mess. Um, I think Critics' Choice now might see how messy this category is and go back to Christian Stewart. I'm not going to predict Stewart for the Oscar. I think she got in the nomination by the skin of her teeth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's clearly not a passion for it. I, I don't get it. I love the film. It's one of my top films of the year. I don't get why people were so against rewarding the craftsmanship of Spencer because it was a stunning film, but there's clearly mm-hmm. not passion for that. And I, cl- I think there's still, unfortunately, a stigma against Stuart to be announced an Oscar winner. I think she has a couple more years to go. I do think right now it's still Chastain versus Kidman for the Oscar. So I think I'm wow. going to go Stuart for Critics' Choice and possibly Chastain for the Oscar. Something that should terrify you, Amy, is that uh, you and I have very similar thinking for like 80% of what you said of laying out the Chastain case, because I was with you. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the performance, but I picked it for SAG, and I think the makeup nomination helped out its chances or her chances in the Academy's eyes as well. The only thing I'll say about what, what the makeup category will do is that this category overall at the Oscars, it doesn't 
really impact any other race. I mean, you can make, unless you believe that The Lost Daughter is going to overperform in, like, adapted screenplay, it doesn't, you can vote for anyone here and not really have it impact any other major category, which is odd for a lead acting performance category. I I don't know if that means anything, but if you want to just vote for Chastain and not worry about what happened with makeup, or you want to vote for Coleman and not worry about adapted screenplay or anything else, you want to just vote for Penelope Cruz, you can do it just because you like that person. I wonder if that'll seep into some Academy voters' minds. Who's the biggest threat to Chastain right now? I don't know. Flip a coin, man. I I would like to see Kristen Stewart. (laughs) I would like to see Penelope Cruz. Olivia Coleman just makes her living off of just murdering the hopes and dreams of single performance uh, (laughs) nomination film uh, performances. So I don't know. I am probably picking Kristen Stewart. I I will say I'll go on on the level here. I'm pricking picking Kristen Stewart for the critics choice. And yeah, I was all over uh, picking Kristen Stewart when we did our two early predictions, because I do think that she may have the opportunity to deliver that big speech. And therefore, if that happens, then you raise her up to the Academy level. Again, the Academy already kind of put her back in the nomination five after they vetoed her. And we've, we, like you said, Mike, there's not a lot of nominations uh, from these films in the rest of the field. So if there ever was a chance for the lone nominee to take home the lead actress Oscar and break the SAG, you know, nomination kind of curse thing there, that stat and be an exception to the rules it might be critic Kristen Stewart, but you, you guys are right on point. Who the hell knows? I mean, you got you got a potential for a Kidman winning choice, and then and then everybody's going to say Kidman's a, a favorite again. You, if Chastain goes back to back wins, we're all going to be all over uh, her. Well, that's when the it's her the time narrative comes goes into overdrive. If Chastain, the momentum will be yeah. palpable. So it, Olivia Coleman could make the the late breaking move uh, like she did in the past with the favorite. Uh, the O-U-R-I-T-E favorite with uh, Glenn Double N's loss. So I don't I don't know. I, I think this is uh, perhaps one of those categories where we could just kind of enjoy the mayhem, whatever whatever goes mm. goes down, guys. The other wide open performance category here is supporting actor, I would say, <laughs> uh, but that's kind of closing a bit. I, I, I think it was wide open for a while, but Amy, you seem to think that Cody Smith McPhee could make a comeback. He's already got that big win at the Golden Globes. He has led the critics awards and we, we got the critics choice coming up later in the season than it's ever been. So Cody could come back with a vengeance here. So you seem to be of the mind that the Troy Kotzer train may not be unstoppable. Yeah, and I just want to say shout out to my next best picture team. We all predicted Troy Kotzer for SAG. I don't know if it was hope predicting. I don't know if it was just all of us having this feeling that Koda was going to have a good night, but we mm-hmm. all predicted that. Um, I personally think they're going to go with Cody for the BAFTA, and they're going to go Kotzer for the Critics' Choice. And I think at the end... Kotzer has a more Oscar-friendly performance. This is, I think, the one true chance to represent that film. And I think representing that film with a deaf actor going up on stage and making us... And he's been killing it. He's been so freaking good. 
So good. The entire cast has been yeah. out there like nothing else. Cody has been stepping. I feel like he's been stepping up his game since the SAG loss. But and Robert Pattinson playing the real life version of him in the Batman helps, I think, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't think you see Troy Kotzer out there. And you don't think, man, that guy should have an Oscar. Man, that guy would make such a great Oscar speech. This is a chance to show real representation on the stage again. And like I said, I still think Cody's going to win the BAFTA. I think, like I said, Power of a Dog is going to have a great night at BAFTA. But I just think Kotzer is going to roll from that point on with the correct choice. Well, if Kotzer wins at BAFTA, that's it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if Kotzer wins at BAFTA and a critic's choice, it's game over. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I, I wouldn't be so, – I, I agree with – I think the best point you made there and amongst all the other good points is that it's the easiest chance to recognize Coda. And it's, yeah. you know, it's the one you can feel best about. That movie has been marketed spectacularly, which was another good point by you, by the cast on every stop on the precursor circuit. Uh, it would not, I think Cody Smith McPhee might be a slight betting favorite going into BAFTA just because of how much I think the power of the dog appeals to a BAFTA voting body. But I, I still think if you, you have to think Kotzer is going to win at this point just because of how well he's done in the precursor and just how damn likable and good you could feel about voting for Kotzer on the Oscar stage. Just think about yeah. the fact that Apple TV is putting all their money mm-hmm. on Kotzer. Netflix Good. is not doing that for Cody. If anything, I've seen more promotion for Kirsten Dunst, which I do not get because that race feels completely locked up. Mm. But hmm. you can tell they're more interested in getting picture, director, screenplay than they are getting Cody his Oscar. And you have the, the you mean, there's so many narratives too. Not only the, the representation narrative, but the, I mean, Kotzer being this elder statesman, this veteran actor, Cody Smith-McPhee has a lot of time left. This is one of his first nominations on a big stage like that, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he got the biggest laugh, perhaps, uh, out of all the speeches at the Independent Spirit Awards. Talking about beer prices, for Christ's yeah. sake. Uh, just brilliant, yeah. just brilliant yet again at another speech. And he kind of kicked off the season kind of like Mag- Maggie Gyllenhaal did with the Gothams on the Charm Offensive. And, you know, that is that is a deciding factor in these tiebreakers and close races. And I mean, we've said it all year. Supporting actor was deep. It was like 10 huge contenders deep. And then it was, you know, a very tight race we thought at least in terms of the how how these you know we look at the performances so that might be the deciding factor on the troy concert train it's uh it's a fun train to be on so let's stay let's keep it going i think but all right lead actor supporting actress i do want to take these two together because they seem to have you know prohibitive favorites at this point we have ariana debose she is minus 800 in vegas she has won the sag she has won the globe as has will smith I'm wondering who's more vulnerable, but let me phrase it this way. Will Ariana DeBose continue to sweep, guys? And please pay close attention to my inflection as I read the teleprompter on the second half of this question. Will Smith sweep? (laughs) Amy? Uh, Yeah, the last time I was on this podcast, I made a big statement that Bandit Cumberbatch would surprise and take the award from Will Smith. I am completely retracting that. There's no way that's happening now. (laughs) I think he still has a chance at BAFTA. I think Benedict is definitely our homeboy. We've loved him since the likes Mm. of Sherlock. Like, I have been a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch for 
probably a decade now. So I think he still has a very good chance, especially if Power is going to have a great day. But mm -hmm. as soon as Will Smith got that nomination and over Andrew Garfield, mm. that's when I wrote the race off and I said Will Smith's winning the Oscar. We don't need to. And I still feel like he gave a pretty decent speech at SAG. I was waiting for him to potentially blow it, but he did quite well. Yep. And I think that's just going to help his case more. So there's a uh, interesting history between BAFTA's nomination mm. voting body and um, mm -hmm. minority representation at BAFTA. Yeah. Just look at Washington. Yeah. Uh, amongst others in the recent. Yeah, exactly. So look, is it out of, you could point to a, a couple different things to have Cumberbatch winning on BAFTA stage. And I think even if he does, there's going to be an opportunity for people to say, well, does it really mean anything for the Oscars because of that? And BAFTA's done that to themselves, quite frankly, um, which is unfortunate. But I, I do think both these names are entrenched. I do expect DeBose to just run away. If you're asking which of these two entrenched favorites are more vulnerable, I guess it would be Will Smith just because of not only can you talk yourself into Cumberbatch actually winning the BAFTA for a couple different reasons, but you can talk yourself into Garfield still being a relative competitor in the in the field, at least. Whereas I don't, and like Amy said, last category, supporting actress seems done. I don't know who you can name as the biggest threat to Ariana DeBose right now. You could at least talk yourself into at least one name, maybe two being a somewhat of a threat to Will Smith at this point. I don't think you yeah. can do that for uh, supporting actress. And I also think the odds in Vegas reflect that right now with DeBose being, I think, minus 800 or 900 and Smith being minus 500 favorite. The BAFTA snub for Kirsten Dunst really hurt and... I think uh, Ajinu Ellis uh, should be there. I agree with Ariana. She's DeBose, just had no traction all year. Just, it just hasn't hasn't uh, manifested yet in any wins at uh, at the later stages here. But all right, I think uh, I think we got I think we got to make a shout out to uh, the two indie spirit winners in these categories. Some awesome nominees that we've talked about in the past quite a bit on Mike, Mike and Oscar and Amy, you mentioned Simon Rex at the top of the show. He gave an awesome speech about his comeback story. I didn't realize he was so boxed out of the business there for, for so long. And, and, you know, he, he does have quite the narrative here to get that win. He was a, a despicable character. That movie rubbed me the wrong way uh, for for some of it. But I, thinking back about his performance. Interesting it, it movie was, to use that euphemism with, Mike, about rubbing. But go ahead. Yeah, the euphemisms <laughs> in me. The un, unintentional euphemisms of late. I got to I gotta really watch this. I got to write better copy, I think. I, like I said, Ruth Nega winning supporting female. Uh, I'm a huge fan of those passing performances. Did you guys want any other winners? You want to shout out any other, uh, excuse me, nominations from the, the lead actor supporting female categories there? Not really those categories. I just want to shout out Isabel Furman for the novice and lead actress who I think nice. should have won. That film, I saw it back at Tribeca and I was like, wow, this film is incredible. Mm. And it was just getting no traction until the Spirit Award came about. I was like, finally, this is a chance we're going to get people talking about it. And no, it just swept with The Lost Daughter and Zola, which I really like both those films. But right. it would have been nice to see a more spread out showcase. And I think, I've, I wasn't watching the show, obviously, I'm in the UK, but I was following along on Twitter. 
and several categories are presented off air, mm-hmm. including cinematography and editing, yep. Yep. which to yeah. me makes zero sense, especially when everyone is already riled up about present all twenty three. Oh, yeah. This just adds fire to the fuel, and I'm sorry, this was the wrong decision. I think they did a really bad job with the show, from I like what it. I could read on Twitter. I like it. Mm. Come out swinging. Take everyone down with you. That a girl. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Uh, I, agree. Yeah, I pay for a membership. Hours. I can. I can rant about this. <laughs> No, I, I, it was a feel free, honestly, because I mean, we love we love hearing we feel like we fall out of line too often. So when you come on or when we have somebody on who actually like has some fire in their belly and doesn't fall in line with what's going on, we absolutely love it. Um, I agree with you for what it's worth. I don't understand why film the indie spirits felt they needed to like copy the Oscars or like set the table for what the Oscars format could be in that respect. It didn't make sense to me as far as the overall night and other nominations I would have liked to see highlighted or weren't highlighted. Look, I like the Indie Spirits just because they actually like provide that last chance to give a award season staple to something that was a favorite that we didn't maybe get to. Like Simon Rex was an example of that. Zola is an example of that. I know we haven't gotten to the category, but Mass is an example. I mean, Mass didn't have, Mass was beloved all year long, but it didn't really have a moment in the sun to itself until last night or or at the Indie Spirit stage. So that was kind of cool for this ensemble win. But yeah, I, I was just overall happy with the night other than the Indie Spirit's format as a television show trying to show the Oscars how it's done, I guess, with presenting stuff. No, offline. they struggled. Yeah. They did struggle. I agree with you guys. But I, I will uh I will make a couple shout outs of my own. Frankie Faison, the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. I caught that on HBO Max uh last week. I, I really thought he was unbelievable. Uh he, he what what a performance. It's built on him obviously in a room. Uh and then Swan Song, the other Swan Song, which is on Hulu right now, uh Udo Kier, I, forgive me for the pronunciation my God, is this a dramedy that works? It was fun. It was sad. It was everything. Uh, it starts in a nursing home. It ends in a at a club in a rave with this man just going off on the dance floor. And I just, I, I, I really loved it. It was one of the surprises of the year for me. So uh, just a little. Uh, I, I appreciate the novice. I mean, that was something we reviewed back in Tribeca. Uh, recommendation there, Amy. And yeah, so let me just add Swans on to the list. But all right, guys, we do want to head into some of these guild winners uh, and mix these in before we come back to the spirits. And the ADGs, uh, they picked their production design winners. Mike, last week we talked about Dune taking the Set Decorator Society Award and being the only Oscar nominee Mm -hmm. to win an SDSA there. Uh, Now we have the ADGs kind of crystallizing this race for us, perhaps, because we have Nightmare Alley and Dune both taking wins as Oscar nominees uh, over their fellow nominees in the category, the the tragedy of Macbeth and West Side Story in the case of Nightmare Alley, and then Dune in the fantasy film category. I'm wondering, guys... I'm wondering if this is still a three-way race with West Side Story involved because West Side Story is still very much alive at the Baptist and the Choice. I'm wondering how much the Baptist and the Choice even matter to production design. But we do have Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story still alive at all uh, at both of those precursors. So I'm wondering how you handicap the race in production design, Amy. Can I firstly just say, how the hell did being the Ricardos win a production design award? <laughs> I am still so confused about that. 
Um, yeah, this is between Dune and Nightmare Alley. When I was making my predictions for the Oscars, I said, right, Nightmare Alley is getting one nomination. It's going to be production design and it could possibly win. Now that it mm. got four nominations, including Best Picture, and it's definitely getting seen, I think this is where that film gets rewarded because I don't see it taking costume design and I don't see it taking cinematography and it it's probably 10th in best picture let's mm-hmm. be real i love it i would actually have it fourth or fifth in my personal ballot but mm. i f- you you walk about a movie you're like oh my god the production design is incredible with dune i think you go visual effects cinematography sound score you go four or five other things before you reach oh yeah the desert and i love it <laughs> but it's the desert versus this amazing fun fair and glamorous yeah. scenes i think you can't ar- surely you can't argue with that i uh one we got to get amy an academy ballot because i completely agree with what everything she just said but two amy <laughs> do you think like there's any you want a surrogate ballot now through right exactly <laughs> okay, exactly uh, but is yes. there an impetus to for maybe everyone to be like, well, Dune's got to get every tech it can. Because Dune was just this technical marvel, so who cares that, you know, Guillermo del Toro had somebody actually design that spinning wheel with the with the giant spiral on it, and that doesn't matter to us. We have to have Dune sweep all these techs in like a Mad Max type uh, acknowledgement, because it's not going to win Best Picture. If there wasn't part two coming, I'd say yes. Mm. Plus, mm. why does it matter? We're not getting presented live on air now anyway, so... <laughs> Why, like, we might be thinking, oh, Dune's going to bring in all the people. It's like, well, no, we're not. You're going to announce it before shows even began. What's Fair the point? point? Right. But see, it could. It definitely could. It could win five, six Oscars on the night. That's a possibility. I just think if you're going to reward Nightmare Alley, spread the love as we do the Oscars puzzle, you have to go production design. Mm. Yeah, Nightmare Alley is, is shaping up. As a, as a favorite there, I wonder again how we find these betting odds only mike one knows but we do we do call we did have betting odds the answer is having an illness and just never addressing it and just keep going (laughs) we'll we'll get back to those on oscar bets so i'm curious how the the odds shift and if they did shift back towards nightmare alley i think they were in dune's favor slightly or maybe west side stories i don't remember it was a month ago when we found those odds mike but i don't remember where they're at uh that's production design the We'll get back to the indie spirits a bit now, but we also had a couple other uh, injections to the documentary feature race, and they're going towards Flea. IDA chose Flea, even though they chose Questlove for Best Director. Cinema Eye chose Flea as its best documentary, and yet, confusingly, we still have indie spirits sticking with Summer of Soul over Flea. So documentary... If please just please well, the be question a is race. the question is mm-hmm. where is the academy going to acknowledge Flea if anywhere I mean is it most likely to be in doc feature versus anywhere else Amy or what do you think Oh one hundred percent I think international and animated are I agree as with you potentially as locked as you can get plus mm. with the devastating news of what's happening over at Ukraine and with all the incidents we've had over in like Afghanistan over the past year, Flea is such a relevant movie for mm, right now. Good point. I don't see wow. how you can watch that film and not be touched by the story. And I've always said, first and before it's an animated film, before it's an international film, it is a documentary. It is this guy's story being told. 
and I love Soul Summer of Soul. I do think it's still got probably the better chance to win this category. It's going to be more well known. It's going to be more seen. I think some channels doing a telecast over it over the voting period for the Oscars. They are pushing it hard. And with Questlove obviously doing the Oscars last year, mm -hmm. he's got those connections. But I don't see how you see Flea, and this might this is hope dicting. This is my heart. I don't see how you let Flea walk away empty-handed. I just don't. And it happens every year, Mike. I mean, the favorite and doc feature comes in, or if it even gets to this point, even gets the nominating the nomination stage, and it yeah. usually doesn't walk away the winner. I wish I could characterize this race in terms of like the fun movie and not the fun movie. I think they're both just so enriching flea and summer of soul on both fronts like you have you have such a finale that makes you really think and, and and recontextualize everything in summer of soul and then you have flea which is such a huge crowd pleaser but you got to go through the crucible of it you know it, it's, a, it's a rough watch for some of it because you know the characters are going through what they're going through so both kind of ha have goods delivered on on both ends on the dramatic and on in terms of the crowd pleasing front so documentary really can't go wrong if it pits those uh, picks either of those two but of course they'll pick ascension no <laughs> <laughs> right just making sex dolls for uh -huh. 30 minutes uh -huh. uh, actually in real life and documenting that? i hope not guys we did uh we did just mention drive my car and the indie spirit winner and in international feature was indeed drive my car yet again uh, it looks like they are they are running away with it and uh, in, in terms of international feature i think you're on board with me do we have to go into this or can we get into editing i think there's still an it's not going to win like never predict the film that's not the best picture nominee to go in i still think worst person in the world has the smallest chance to surprise say renata oh. does win at bafta for actress that is a big platform say bafta does something crazy and actually gives the worst person in the world the, the bafta that would be a platform we have neon going up against janice films which we know which one has more money to put towards their campaign and I just think Worst Person in the World might just be slightly more accessible to the general audience. Like I said, I am obviously predicting Drive My Car. It's my favourite film of the year. It got the Best Picture nomination. But don't be surprised if they do end up saying the worst person in the world. But Mike, she's pulling a, an old trick out of uh, a gambler's book here. She's reverse jinxing herself. I like the, the tinfoil hat she's wearing. She's making a good case. <laughs> Oh, I, I love yeah. The Worst Person in the World. Like, it's a fantastic film, but Drive My Car is my favorite film of the year. Well, it would it would make everyone's head explode, right? Because how would you explain the math? <laughs> like, how could this movie be nominated, get in the best picture field as one of the 10 best movies of the year, but not win its quote-unquote own category? Like, yeah. I, 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 as an agent of chaos, I would love it. Don't get me wrong. It would be hilarious. And I think I mean, film mind, people did nuts. it a few years ago with uh, Parasite versus Pain and Glory. Mm -hmm. But, mm. like I said predict drive my car don't listen to me just prepare just in case i like it you made a good case i would love it i would absolutely love it well let me, you know i did want to mention lunana a yak in a classroom guys is a delight <laughs> so that's why i kind of had this category still involved here because that movie was really good I, I, just, I gotta recommend it by the way uh but yeah i think drive my car's running away with it all right last category before we do a little smattering at the end of the Indie Spirits, but the Ace Eddies came out, and I am perplexed. Guys, film editing 
has some crossover and I did some research, but let me put it to you first. What the hell does it mean when King Richard defeats Dune and Power of the Dog in Ace Eddie drama? What the heck does it mean when when Tick Tick Boom defeats Don't Look Up in the Ace Eddie's comedy half of it? Because neither Ace Eddie winner is nominated at either the Critics' Choice or BAFTA, if those even matter. And only Dune can win both of those, with the power of the dog also being at choice. So I don't know what's going to happen in film editing. It might be the mo- the wonkiest category thus far. Uh, Amy, any idea of what's going on with film editing? This is a category I'm most annoyed we're not presenting live, because if they yeah. turn around and say power of the dog has won editing, the race is over before it's even begun on the night. Hmm. Uh, just looking back to the past few years... Like, you either have to make a correlation with the sound, which to me is Power of a Dog or Dune, or, like, Ford v. Ferrari won two years ago. Mm -hmm. That was a sports movie. That was sharply edited. I think King I said King Richard had a chance at editing. Once again, people talked me out of it, so I didn't predict it. And then here we are. Um, Nice. So (laughs) it's got those snappy montages of, and that Mm. is an over two hour film. That does not feel like two hours, but you can go any way. You could say, is it the front runner for best picture, which is Power of a Dog? Is it the best sound winner, which is most likely going to be Dune? Is it the sports film that has all the montages? Is it Tick, Tick, Boom, which did actually win at the Ace Eddies, if I'm right. And Mm -hmm. that is the definition of most editing. Like, it's the be- as much as people will hate this comparison, it's the Bohemian Rhapsody of the year, which has the most <laughs> editing, and it's a, and it's a musical. It's got. I don't know. I have absolutely. I just hope it's not. Don't look up. I am. I don't care which one of the other four it is. I'm just hoping it's not. Don't look up. <laughs> but I, I, I'm predicting the BAFTA winner for. Wait, who's actually nominated for the BAFTA? I... <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's it's. <laughs> I got to go back now. Uh, so we have Dune at both choice. Oh and God, BAFTA. it's Belfast, Licorice Pizza, Bond, and okay. Well, right. I. That's the problem. It's I even more confusing. I don't know. I I already have <laughs> Dune winning what sound, visual effects, score possibly other stuff i don't see it winning five or six oscars not the first film hmm. i might default to power for now but i still don't feel because not even parasite could do that mm-hmm. uh, this is the one that's given even more of an actress this is the one that's given me the biggest headache and i'm probably going to change my decision last minute it yeah, it's infuriating and impossible to figure out. And I share your frustration, Amy. I wonder, I've I've never understood all year long why King Richard wasn't taken more seriously as a Best Picture contender because I think it is very accessible and it is just a film that you that doesn't feel two hours and you feel good about watching at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk myself into King Richard having a chance at original screenplay in BAFTA because... If King Richard can win editing, then you're talking about a film that's won editing, best actor, had a second actor, uh, a second performing Oscar nomination, and it can win a technical, then maybe it becomes this underdog pick for best picture on the night. I agree with what Amy said. If Power of the Dog wins this, I don't see why it wouldn't be over, why Power of the Dog wouldn't win best picture anyway. 
unless you mm-hmm. don't buy, you know, you want to do Oscar's puzzle and say that they don't want to give Campion a billion above the lines uh, wins because she's going to win director and then she would have editing and maybe Cumberbatch doesn't upset. Maybe Cody Smith McPhee doesn't upset. Maybe he pictures the, the front runner and it would be entrenched as a front runner at that point. But yeah, I mean, I think this category is the one that's going to like, it depends on how you're thinking on the night. How the night's going to go is how you kind of slate what you're going to predict in editing to an extent. It's like the exact opposite of lead actress at this point. Lead actress doesn't affect any other category, and editing could affect a lot of others with how you're predicting things. So I don't know. Well, let me leave you guys with like a few bullet points in terms of statistics, because I I did some research because it made me very curious. And here's where I wound up. The Ace Eddies do have a strong historical crossover to the Oscar for film editing. Again, Guild typically crosses over with Academy. 42 of the last 60 years, one of the two Ace Eddie winners, and they only had two awards for a a little bit, that have won the Oscar in film editings. That's 70%, including a 10-for-10 streak in the 2000s. However, the last decade is only 4 out of 10 where an Ace Eddie Ace Eddie has ultimately won film editing Oscars. Now, the Ace Editing... Oh, boy. These uh, pronunciations (laughs) are going to struggle here. But the Ace Eddie... I'll just call it the Ace. The Ace has won Best Picture 28 out of the last 60. That's only 46%. So that's not great. But that's slightly better than the Editing Oscar to Best Picture. 35 out of 87, which is only 40%. So 46% the guild to best picture versus the... So, I I mean, everybody's going cross-eyed at this point because you also have the stat... The ultimate Sex Panther category. It's the ultimate because you have Birdman being the last best picture winner that was not nominated in film editing, guys, which has only happened 10 times in the history of best picture that a film... Uh, that a Best Picture winner has not been nominated in film editing. So we really have a, a, we really have a category here that can affect a lot of the others. And like you said, Amy, this is really frustrating that if the power of the dog does not win, we might have an open category open back up for CODA uh, when the night starts. So that's kind of what I'm rooting for. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for one of these Ace Eddie's you know, whether it's Tick, Tick, Boom or King Richard to take it in the pre-show and then we could have really fun viewing experience with Coda still alive. I mean, if you look back to 2011, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, that was a lone nomination, I believe, or like mm-hmm. one of two nominations and that one. Is that the pathway for Tick, Tick, Boom? Yeah, it could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we know that this category likes that the kind of musical interlude stuff. I don't know. I mean, you could you could analyze this a billion different ways, I think. That does affect the rest of the card as well. I just don't care. If you're going to vote for Power of the Dog for this, like, how can you justify Power of the Dog winning editing and not vote for it for Best Picture? If you're going to give it editing and director. No, she nailed it. If, if Power of the Dog wins editing yeah. in the pre-show... Well, but, and that's the thing. Like, Power of the Dog can win at Critics' Choice. Does that give it a boost? Does that even work with the... I mean, again, the whole Academy's voting for this. So if the Power of the Dog has momentum in editing, if that's the thing, 
it could matter. It could matter in a, in a great deal. I mean, you could see Coda winning a Critics' Choice, let's say, the Power of the Dog winning BAFTA, and then the Power of the Dog winning Best Editing at the Critics' Choice. And if, if we're going to be reading into this as pundits, and that could tell the story. Just give it to Zola again. On the <laughs> well, let's shout out Zola and Joy McMillan uh, getting that win. And she did have some nice highlights. It's, it's contemptible that she didn't get a live presentation. Like you're saying, Amy, we totally agree. Cinematography, you mentioned that going to Passings DP Eduard Grau. I was bummed that these weren't shown. It was aggravating, especially when the Indus Spirits went on and on and on for three hours with a lot of unfunny bits mm. there, Mike. Here's something I want to bring up with all of us here. I'm wondering how the Indie Spirits ratings did. We had tangible increases for the Screen Actors Guild. Their awards uh, ratings essentially doubled at Nielsen's, going from 900K to 1.8K. That's bad math in terms of doubling, but they they almost doubled. They went up almost a million there, 900K. And look, I mean, Mulally made a good joke last night when Bridget Everett presented an Indie Spirit Award and she was introduced as the star of HBO's Somebody Somewhere, which is, as Megan said it, also how our award show's Nielsen ratings will be read in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of those ratings, Mike? I mean, I don't I don't know that the anyone gives as much credence to their ratings as the Academy anyway. And like, I, are people going crazy because they didn't tune into IFC to watch the Indie Spirits live, especially when you can watch the recap on YouTube and stuff like that anyway. So, you know, I, I, I think there'll be probably an increase, hopefully, over last year because you're back to being in person, you're back on the tent on the beach and all that. But will it ultimately matter in the long run to anyone outside of the people who put on the Indie Spirits show? I would doubt it. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch the show live, so I don't really have anything to sort of add about how yeah, no the show went on. Um, I feel like just every every show this year is going to have increased viewership because people actually saw these films. And that's my mm, worry sure. with the Oscars is that we're making these changes. We're going to see an increased number. We're going to think, oh, people actually did want yeah. to watch that. Oh, Let's continue no doing doubt. that. No doubt the Oscars are going to pat themselves on the back for their changes, bringing oh. back viewers. That's happening. All right. Well, let's get out of the the aggravating part of it and let's get back and finish with uh, a fun part because we did have some winners at the Indie Spirits that we do want to round out and talk about here kind of as a, you know, cherry on the Sunday. Mass won the Robert Altman Award. Shiva Baby won the John Cassavetes, which I'm shocked by. I, I didn't catch that. It was made for $200,000. My God, awesome. the talent on these people. Best first screenplay went to Pigs, Michael Sarnowski, and Vanessa Block. Uh, Indie Spirits' best first feature went to Seven Days. And on the TV side, guys, Reservation Dogs took home two uh, with Ensemble and Best New Scripted Series. We have the... Lee Jung Jae of Squid Game Train still going and Best Male Performance. And then Tusum Mbedu of the Underground Railroad won Best Female Performance, given a terrific speech in her own right. So any any uh, of those highlights, uh, you know, hit you there, Amy? Well, we like the Robert Altman Award was already announced in mass, but... Man, that film deserves so much more of this entire run. I don't know why people didn't push enough for Mass. 
Um, Seven Days of, that is another film I saw at Tribeca and I really liked when I first saw it. I do have a soft spot for Geraldine Fitzwanathan from um, Broken Hearts Gallery. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm glad, I'm really glad that one won out of a bunch. I'm happy to see them get some more of it. And I think the director and the lead actor is a doctor that worked during COVID at the ICU. So it's always great to see people like that getting recognized on a big screen. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. Um, look, like I said before, I think this is why the indie spirits are, are beloved and what they are. You got mass Shiva baby. You have these lesser known, lesser seen things having their moment in the sun. And it's just really cool to see. We've been talking about mass all year, Mike. Uh, we've been a fan of Shiva baby all year. So glad to see those kind of get their, their moment. You loved pig. Glad to see that get their moment. Uh, you know, just, this is the, this is what the indie spirits should be. And I'm glad to see them do that. And, you know, like Test Pattern got some more love in the past, uh, which, you know, that, that was like the, maybe the one omission. I was hoping maybe Test Pattern would show up. But otherwise, yeah, it, it was fun to see fun to see those speeches. They were great speeches. Sarnowski and Vanessa Block nailed it. Seven Days was a fun speech. And Fran Kranz, that mass speech was incredible. I, I mean, all, all of them were. Shiva Baby's speeches, I mean, those... Those were f- really well flowing. It was kind of like you know a couple years ago when Uncut Gems won and the Safdie brothers really mm. kind of entrenched themselves as just <laughs> brilliant with the dueling speeches mm-hmm. kind of thing. It was it was really awesome. So I, I did I did enjoy that fact of the of the indie spirits coming back. All these cool ass movies from the festival circuits getting wins and 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 that was fun. So all right, I think that's that's our show. My God, it was. Uh, it was a, a, a long one in terms of the hosting for me because I suck at hosting. So sorry about that, guys. But Amy, thank you for doing this. Oh, no problem. You can have me on any time. Well, where can the, uh, the people out there find your work as you're spreading your wings and getting all these well-earned promotions into these new sites for you? Uh, yeah, the easiest way to keep track of what I'm doing is on Twitter at Films with Amy. Um, Going to be a very busy month ahead of me. I've got to catch up with all these Glasgow Film Festival reviews and with the Oscars in... God, what, three weeks now? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, April's around the corner. You can catch up then. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Mike said, we can't thank you enough for joining us and giving us your insight and your uh, wisdom here on these races. Uh, be sure to check out Amy all over the internet, everywhere that film is talked about pretty much at this point. Uh, as well, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for us, dear listener, we'd love to hear those from you. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you hear podcasts and if that's on the apple podcast or spotify app if you appreciate what we do if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review those truly help us out and go a long way michael what are some words of wisdom here uh, and what's coming next from us well, the words of wisdom are easy. Follow Amy Smith Absolutely. and read all of her work and listen to all of her podcasts. And, and she's doing a, a terrific job. Amy, we can't thank you enough. We'll have to have you back very soon. Uh, and, yeah, we have uh, we have more Oscars talk, I think, uh, coming perhaps next week. But before that, we have Mike Mike and Oscars talk mm-hmm. coming. And here's the thing. like We have such a huge day Sunday with the Critics' Choice and BAFTA yeah. that if we put anything in front of it, that wasn't the Mike Mike and Oscars. It's immediately going to get trumped. So at least w- with with this episode, we have a shelf life for it, so you guys can listen. We're going to trump then... those award shows with our award show, and that's what people will be talking about. Is what we're trying to say. Absolutely yeah. the opposite <laughs> right. of what I was exactly. saying. But uh, now I'm picking up what no, you're putting down here. 
We have to do the Mike, Mike, and Oscars now. So the last time we promised that show we were going to do it and breaking news hit the, you know, present 15 mm-hmm. of 23. So we had to cover that. But hopefully nothing weird hits and we can actually do the show because that's a highlight every year, uh, the Mike, Mike, and Oscars. It's just fun. Uh, absolutely it is. Can't wait to do that. Amy, can't wait to have you back on. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you, you know, not embarrassing us with all your knowledge this time and making us sound so <laughs> dumb like you did last time. But no, seriously, no, you're always great. Again. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're, awesome. you're in denial at the end of this episode. This is, like, really <laughs> scary. This is, like, delusions of... A grandeur and gen- d- denial. Like, like, oh my God, we're in trouble, folks. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come break down the races with us and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. <laughs> see ya.